welcome to live Wednesdays from Narcissistic Domestic Violence Healing and Support Incorporated and also episode of the NDV Healing Podcast. We'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. And as always, we are going to have specific topics that we are going to talk about today. I am Teresa Simon, Executive Director and Founder of Narcissistic Domestic Violence Healing and Support Incorporated. And I am also joined, of course, by Nikki Davis, who is board member of Narcissistic Domestic Violence Healing and Support Incorporated, as well as the founder of Survivors Overcoming Abusive Partners. So thank you for joining us, Nikki. And of course, for Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we are bringing you all the topics that are really important and urgent, of course, in domestic violence. So today we're actually going to talk about a number of things, but I'm going to start the conversation off talking about strangulation because strangulation is extremely important when it comes to domestic violence. It is a huge red flag. And the Gabby Petito case that has been all over the, the national news in the United States has also brought to light, of course, strangulation and how important that is. Strangulation is, there's no way around it, strangulation is attempted murder. Um, this is why we need to have the conversations and change the conversations because how we talk about domestic violence and the specific language that we use um, can really affect how survivors are protected and how the perpetrators and abusers are stopped from committing these crimes. Um, research indicates that non-lethal strangulation is an important risk factor for homicide of women in domestic violence relationships. So non-fatal strangulation will strongly, strongly predict that you will be murdered. Strangling um, is, is just a very up close and personal way of exhibiting the ultimate power and control over the victim. And um, strangulation, um, there's been many outlets, of course, Fox News, um, AP, and they have done art articles around the Gabby Petito case indicating that strangulation is often the last warning sign for domestic violence victims. Um, and that domestic violence cases involving strangulation have actually been on the rise. And I wanna talk a little bit about um, the Training Institute on Strangulation and, and they also have information about the strangulation as well. So I wanna get into a little bit about that. Um, the Training Institute on Strangulation Pre Prevention defines strangulation as the obstruction of blood vessels and or airflow in the neck resulting in asphyxia. So this is not to be confused with choking. Choking um, is when a blockage occurs inside of the throat. Um, you know, strangulation is something that is intentional and it refers to when pressure is being applied from the outside cutting off the airflow. So also the training and institute in strangulation, um, when conducting assessments on forensic, forensic exams with victims of domestic violence or any reported um, history of strangulation places a 
it places the victim at a higher risk for more serious violence or homicide by the hands of their intimate partner. Um, recognizing the signs of strangulation, healthcare providers can help mitigate, help to mitigate long-term damage and pro properly document any evidence of abuse. Um, so more research and data, again, on strangulation reveals that the severity of this type of assault. One in four women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime, and of those, up to 68 to 70% will suffer near fatal strangulation at the hands of their partner. I'm going to read that again, because this is how important this is. One in four women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime, and of those, up to 68 to 70% will suffer near fatal strangulation at the hands of their partner. Of the domestic violence victims, 97% are strangled by hands, 38% reported losing consciousness. Again, I'll read that again. 97% are strangled by hands, 38% reported losing consciousness, 35% are strangled during sexual assault. Nine to 10% are also pregnant. And more than 70% of strangled um, domestic violence women believe that they were going to die. So those are some really strong statistics for you. Um, the perpetrator strangles as a form of power and control over their intimate partner by controlling their breathing. This pressure can lead to a loss of consciousness within five to 10 seconds and cause death within a few minutes. I'm going to read that again. This pressure can lead to a loss of consciousness with five, within five to 10 seconds and cause of death within a few minutes. Over the past 20 years, prosecutors and physicians have paid closer attention to the serious danger caused by strangulation. And strangulation is now recognized as one of the most lethal form of, of violence. Criminal laws have, since 2010, criminal laws have been updated reflecting the severity of strangulation. Strangulation have passed in at least many of the states in the United States. However, we still have a long way to go and there's a lot of work that can be done. Um, depending on state law, strangulation can be charged as a misdemeanor or a felony. So going back to my first original point, strangulation is attempted murder. So we, we do have to Although um, I was discussing how the laws have, have come a long way, we, we have to get to a point where it is a felony um, in all states and that it is also realized as attempted murder in all states because it is attempted murder. And if it is non-lethal this time, it, like I was originally stating, it is research indicates that um, it's an important risk factor for homicide of women in domestic violence relationships. So if it is non-lethal this time, next time, more than likely you will be, statistically, you will be a homicide victim. So it needs to be taken serious by the criminal justice system as well as um, by ourselves because it is, it is serious. It is the most important risk factor. And next time you may not be alive. So, um, I have, you know, taken up a little bit of time. So go ahead and jump in here, Nikki, um, about, I know you want to jump in here. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and as I was saying earlier, because both you and I have experience with um, strangulation in our previous abusive relationships, and it is something like you were stating when you were um, going over the information, you seriously do think you're going to die. I want to say the first couple of times he did it, it wasn't a very long period of time. So that thought did not cross my mind. But the last time, which led to me ending the relationship, that was when I kind of realized that one day he was going to kill me because it was much longer than usual. He had lifted me off the ground and taken me into another room. So it was kind of like a lot more dramatic than what he had done in the past. So in my mind, I'm like, it's increasing. Like the behavior is just getting worse and worse and worse. It's not going to get better as I thought it would if, you know, if I were to had stopped drinking or, you know, if I got home early enough, if I was able to, you know, cling to his perfection or whatever it was that pissed him off at the time. Um, and that was kind of, and he came through and I really, I tell this story a lot. He came through my, my, my window. He kicked in my AC unit. I was asleep. So that also, I think is kind of what attributed to the panic because it's like, I was just asleep. Now, you know, I'm hearing this banging. I don't know what's going on. And then the next thing I know, he's choking me. So it, it is really important, um, especially if you see behaviors like that, to very, to, that's a huge red flag. And you should definitely end the relationship soon. I'm, you know, if you have children or not, you should end it. You should get a restraining order, which is what I did. And he had, he wasn't even served and they still granted me the restraining order because I still had his nail marks. They had scabbed into the side of my neck because he was choking me so hard. So yeah, I, it's, it's one of the things that, like I said, he had choked me before and then it had escalated, you know, it just escalated over a period of time. So I was just like, oh, well, he's not going to hurt me. You know, it, it's not like... I didn't get that, that holy shit, I can't breathe, feel it. So that's why it didn't sink in my head that it was a, it was such a bad thing. And can you, um, for those of you that are just joining us, thank you for joining us. This is um, our live session where we go live during Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And this is also the episode of the NDV Healing Podcast. I am the executive director and founder of NDV Healing and Support, Teresa Simon, and I'm joined by Nikki Davis, board member and founder of Survivor Overcoming Abusive Partners. For those of you who are just joining us, you may not know, um, Nikki does tell her story in episode two of the NDV Healing Podcast, but can you actually just walk, um, for those of us who have just joined or and haven't listened before, can you actually just walk them through that um, incident with the whole coming through the um, window and choking you because it's actually a very um, powerful story when she tells it. And it actually, um, cause we're talking tonight about strangulation and how important of a red flag that is and how that research um, shows statistically and data, um, tons of data show that that is um, a huge indicator of homicide in domestic violence situations and that more than likely the next time um, you will be a homicide victim. So can you just um, tell a little bit about that story because it really um, illustrates home, really illustrates for what, what we're actually discussing tonight. Absolutely. So 
my son's father was incarcerated and he was calling me from jail trying to get me to pick um to pay his bail and get him out I had gone through his phone because when he got incarcerated he had given me the phone and I saw that he was not being faithful to me so my mind just went to I can't take the beating and the cheating like I gotta pick a struggle here it can't be both so I was, you know, I told him I wasn't going to bail him out of jail and I took his, cause his son was staying with us. I took his son down to his mother's house and was like, you know, I'm, I'm just not dealing with this anymore. I deserve better. So in the midst of all that, cause of course, you know, even ending a normal relationship, you know, you, you're upset. So I called out of work. I stayed home. I just slept cause I was very depressed and I was sleeping and it was like, maybe probably around three, four o'clock, I start hearing this banging and it wakes me up out of my sleep. And I realized it's the, we have these window AC units um, at in some of the houses here in Hagerstown because they don't have central air. And I realized someone's banging on my AC units. The next thing I know, it comes crashing through the window and falls on the floor and breaks. And he's climbing through my window because I was, um, and I had a one story apartment. So I was on the main floor. Um, so he comes in and he starts hooping and hollering about, you know, me not bailing him out of jail. And I started screaming at him like, I mean, I know you're cheating on me. And he's like, well, they're just friends. And I was like, okay. Cause there were, there was some explicit things that were being said in the messages. So I confronted him with, I read, or, you know, something I had read in the phone. And so then he starts hugging me and he's like, you know, I love you. And I was like, no, I, you know, I deserve better than this. I you know, I don't want to go through this anymore. So I wouldn't usually, you know, that's when you just, you fall, he loves me, you know, he loves me, you know, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't going for it. So that's when he starts hitting me. So he's like punching me and I'm blocking like this. So while I'm going like this, he comes and he puts his hands around my throat and he starts choking me. So then he lifts me up off the floor and we're in my bedroom at this point. And I'm like, this is when he lifted me off the floor. That's when I was like, this motherfucker's going, excuse my language, but I was like, this man is going to kill me. <laughs> um, so he takes me from the living room, I mean, excuse me, from my bedroom into the hall, into the living room. He finally lets me go and then he starts kicking me in my stomach and then he goes out to um, the front door because I had bagged all his things up and put them at the front door. He brought all his stuff back in my house. He dumped all the clothes and everything in the floor in the living room and he said, I'm not going anywhere. This is my house too. And then he left. It was the craziest, it was the craziest thing. And my neighbor, she could always hear us fighting. So she's outside smoking a cigarette because she knew that I was going to come outside and talk to her so she could ask me what, you know, what's going on. But, you know, my neighbor's out there and she's sitting there and she starts yelling something at him about, you know, you, that's why you shouldn't be hitting women or whatever. And he said F you to her. And then I started talking to her. But that was the, the moment that I realized that this man could kill me because in the past I, you know, um, I tell Teresa the story all the time, you know, we've gotten an argument over tax money and I, he said that he deserves some of the tax money because our child was on the taxes. And I said to him, tax money is for parents who pay for their children. When have you ever bought him a sock? And he started choking me. 
a lot of the times the choking was because I said something and he could not mentally come back at me. So he, so he would attack me physically and it would typically be with the choking. But like I said, it was not very aggressive. Like, I mean, well, it was aggressive enough, but it wasn't enough where it was shutting off my airway and it didn't last for a long period of time. So this specific choking event kind of opened my eyes where I was like, oh no, 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 honey, this, this will take you out because you was about to, you was about to go to sleep for a second. So, um, I would highly suggest if you're seeing any kind of signs of choking, any kind, even if you don't feel like, oh, well, it's not that aggressive or aggressive enough to cut off my airway, I, I'd run immediately because just from the experience that I had, it, it got worse. It took it a couple of years, but it got, it got there to the point where I couldn't breathe. And I don't ever want to feel like that again. It's not a good feeling. You know, your body naturally breathes. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, like drowning it's like you know you, you can't help it it you know and that's a natural thing that you do is breathe so it's very scary for your um for that to be cut off so I 100% would absolutely seek help if you see any signs like that yeah thank you for telling your your story absolutely and, and yeah and so going back to how strangulation is a huge um, indicator. Um, again, strangulation is, you know, extreme. It is the biggest red flag and it's an extreme risk factor for homicide of women in domestic violence relationships. Um, and again, back to the statistics, um, one in four women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. 68 to 70% will suffer near fatal strangulation. And 97% are strangled by hands, 38% report losing consciousness, and 9% are also pregnant, 35% are strangled during sexual assault. So they were a domestic violence victim, and um, it also happened during the sexual assault. Um, and then 70% are, um, up to more than 70% are believe that they were going to die so I actually fall in almost all of those statistics I just quoted and going back to that nine percent are all are also pregnant I was also pregnant during one of those times and also another important domestic violence statistic um, so we're getting a lot of this information out there for those of you just joining us um, I fall in another one of those statistics. So according to the American College of Obstetrician, Obstetricians and Gynecologists, one in six abused women is first abused during pregnancy. And I fall in that statistic as well. So I fall in pretty much all the, almost all the statistics I have quoted today um, about domestic violence. And I can tell you um, when they say that, that up to more than 70% believe that they were going to die, I fall in that statistic too. I felt like I was going to die and there was a time where I did lose consciousness. So it is extremely important that when that happens, you know that this has to be the time that you need to leave because the next time you may not be alive. And it, um, the strangulation, I, as I often, for those of you that listen to us, 
um, I've often stated I was in two abusive relationships and I was, um, and I was a victim of strangulation in both of those relationships. Um, I know Nikki was talking about um, her situation where a lot of it occurred when she was standing up for herself and her abuser just did, didn't, wasn't able to verbally, um, he felt like he couldn't verbally one up her, so to speak. So he decided to choke her as a means to get control of that situation because that's what, excuse me, not choking, strangulation because it's not choking. Um, he decided to strangle her as a means to get that control back. And in my situation, in, and practically in both domestic abusive relationships I was in, um, two separate individuals, obviously, but what I found um, that was um, important to point out was two separate individuals, but it was the same situation in both um, relationships where every time there was an incident of strangulation, strangulation, it was because I was attempting to leave. So that's important because a lot of times it is, um, in my situation, it was um, his way of getting control because he felt like, you know, you're not going to leave me. So it's I was going to go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I feel like it's, it's like they're trying to get some kind of, like you said, like control or like trying to choke you into, sub or strangle, excuse me, strangle you into submission or, or some kind of submissive mode they want you to be in or something like that. That's almost the way that I feel that it is. Definitely. Um, it's because with their hand, you know, they have their hands around, the abuser has their hands around the victim's neck and it's, you know, it's the ultimate control factor. It's the ultimate statement saying, you know, with finality that you're not going to leave me. I control the situation. You're not going to leave me. And then a lot of times, statistically, a lot of times they kill the victim. And so when Gabby Petito, um, you know, that case that has been all over the news, um, you know, when she was found it was found determined that she was strangled. Um, it's statistically, it's not surprising because this is unfortunately the end result for a lot of domestic violence cases. So for those of you that are listening out there, um, definitely, you know, you've been strangled, definitely take that as a warning sign and please, you know, seek support and seek services. Um, there's a national domestic violence hotline. There's also um, NDV Healing Support Incorporated, um, Survivors Overcoming Abusive Partners, Stand Up Survivor. There's so many organizations out there that can help. Please seek services um, because the next time you may be a homicide victim and statistically that's, that's what it is. And we're hoping that, you know, like I said, the criminal justice system has made great strides in compared to where it was 20 years ago, but we still have a long way to go because strangulation needs to be recognized as attempted murder everywhere. It needs to be a felony everywhere. It needs to be attempted murder everywhere. And it needs to get severe punishment, not one year, two year, three year, four year. It needs to get many years 
um, because when you have a domestic violence incident and the abuser strangles the victim, they get a slap in a lot of these cases I've seen and they get a slap on the wrist and they only get um, a year or two or less, way less than that. So you get back out in this year or two out of jail or prison and they, and then the abuser gets back with the victim or honeymoons the victim or hoovers the victim into coming back. And then that next time, what happens? They strangle and they kill the victim. So well, also strangulation has to be taken serious by the criminal justice system. It is attempted murder. There is no could be, shouldn't, there's no way around it. It is attempted murder. Call it what it is and charge it the way it should. I was also, I was also gonna say, you know, a lot of these perpetrators get, you know, they get out on their own recognizance or, you know, they get a bail and then they stalk the victim and kill them. And they're yes. like, oh, well, you know, there's a restraining order in place or they can't be around them. So charges are, well, if they're planning on killing them, they're not going to care if they're around them. And there's a piece of paper that says that um, they can't be around them. No. And, and stalking is a major issue as well in domestic violence. Stalking is a major issue as well. Oh, yeah. Even if you're not with your abuser anymore, they, st I still, sometimes I still, oh my goodness. I remember being at work one time and my son's father was like, oh, um, I see that blue navigator outside of your house. And I'm like, why do you know where I live? And why do you, and why do you feel the need to tell me that you see the navigator outside of the house? Like, it, cause it's, it's an intimidation thing. I feel like stalking is a thing, even when you get away from them or specifically when you're not with them anymore. Yes, statistically, that is another statistic, statistically, many um, domestic violence victims are stalked after they leave, especially after they leave the relationship. So yes. And so that's another topic. And, and yes, and um, definitely you should get the restraining order. We're definitely advocates of the restraining order, but it can still, um, it still happens, unfortunately, even if the victim gets the restraining order. So it's just um, something to also be aware of too, is that um, yes, stalking, is a major issue as well, as well as strangulation. So we're causing awareness to all of the issues tonight, strangulation, stalking, abuse during pregnancy as well, and sexual assault too, because um, like when I was quoting that statistic, they said 35% um, were strangled during um, a sexual assault. Well, that also sexual assault and domestic violence, unfortunately, they, they go hand in hand statistically as well. And something else um, Nikki wanted to touch on tonight. So we're, um, because you wanted to touch a little bit on about like the normalcy as well. Yes, so um, we were getting questions um, from a lot of um, new um, survivors who are fresh out of the abusive relationship and still 
heavily trauma bonded to their perpetrator and struggling with those emotions. And um, we're being asked, when is it that you start to feel normal? So one important thing I do wanna say before I get into all of that is as defined by the psychology community, there is no such thing as normal. Let's just start there. <laughs> there is no normal. We all have our own little perks and individuality and our personalities that make us us. And, you know, there is what is socially acceptable. But as far as like a normal, there really is no normal. Another, and so leading with that, Basically, you learn how to deal, to cope with it better. Over time, you start to reprogram your brain and it starts to find new habits that it can hold on to that make it comfortable, that will release your serotonin levels naturally. And we talked about that with the whole self-care and everything like that to help that process yeah, along. Um, last, last session, last episode. Right. So, you know, you, it, it just, over time, it just starts to, I, if I want to say it feels like it fade, it starts fading with time. And that's why it's really important that you give yourself time. You've been out of the relationship six months, a year, and you're still like, I don't understand why I still have all these crazy emotions. You have to give your your mind time to restructure itself, to find new, you know, to, to cognitively function differently. So you have to give yourself this your time. Brain and, and, fall out. <laughs> exactly. Because you have to remember this person basically because they um because they're especially if they're narcissists and they mirror your personality, but basically you've relied on this person like it's kind of like a security blanket or a banky. You know, you've relied on this person yes. to give you that feel-good um drug to release in your brain the oxytocin and you know all the endorphins, and now your body's not getting it anymore. So you know, it's kind of like, well, well, what happened to this? How can I get back to feeling like this? And you have to find new ways to get yourself to feel like that on your own without needing that person. So it is going to take time. And even so, because I'm seven, I'm almost seven years out of my um, abusive, or after my last abusive relationship. Wow. So I know, right? <laughs> so like, even now though, it's like, I have moments, I, I still have issues with the window AC units in, in windows. I have issues with that. I currently have a house where I have AC units and the main levels AC unit is on the side where the, the house dips and there's an alley. So you can't get to the window, but the part that's by the front door that there's no unit there. I I'm paranoid about that. You're still going to have those, but see, I was able to I'm able to, to, you just find ways of dealing with it and not just freaking out. I don't wake up screaming at night. You know, I'm not having those kinds of reactions. I'm just like, I'll feel better if this is here and it's in that window. And that makes me, I'm, I can live with that. You don't know, it, you don't, you, you have to give yourself time to get to that point. So you're never going to be completely absolved of those emotions. They're not going to go hundred percent away. I don't want to lie to you and say that, but you find ways to live with it. And it's it's and it's not something that has such a such an effect on you now. You know, it's not as overbearing. It's just it may be a passing thought, 
you know, it'll get to that point where it's just a passing thought. Like this happened to me. Okay, but I'm okay. And that's what's really important. Remembering that you're okay now and in the now and, you know, focusing on whatever you're doing to better yourself, whether it's school, getting a promotion at work, um, being there more for your kids as a mom. I know that's something I really dived into cherishing my time with my children. Cause that was my first thought when I was being strangled and I thought I was going to die was my children. So yeah. making sure that I'm doing everything to build connections with my children. I'm, you know, that's something that I was like, I'm going to do to make sure I focus on. And that helps me not focus on the abuse or what I went through. It gives me something else to occupy my mind. So as I said, it may be a passing thought, like, yeah, I was strangled. Yeah, I thought I was going to die, but I'm okay. And then I can move on with my thought process. It doesn't stop me. It doesn't bring me to my knees. It doesn't make me have an emotional, you know, meltdown. It, it's just it's just like a passing thought. So that's a, to answer that question as far as going back to normal, it just it just becomes a passing thought and it's something that you're able to eventually live with without having so much of a reaction to. Thank you for sharing that, Nikki. And I just want to touch on a couple things that you brought up for those of you that just joined us. Um, for those of you who just joined us, you may not know trauma bond is what Nikki brought up. And trauma bond is a toxic bond that occurs when the abuser alternates between creating highs and lows within the relationship, um, being mean and abusive versus being really nice and love bombing. And they offer reward or punishment as they deem fit. The abuser will train the victim that happiness is solely dependent on how well the victim can serve and please the abuser. The bond, the trauma bond can out, long outlive the relationship meaning if the relationship was four years, um, the trauma bond can last five, six, seven, eight years, leaving the victim craving comfort from the very person who hurt them. Um, and during this trauma bond connection and the love bombing, your body is releasing those oxytocin, um, serotonin, dopamine, they're releasing those chemicals and it is an addiction just like um, an alcohol addiction, a heroin addiction, it is an actual addiction. So what Nikki was also touching on is that a lot of times, um, so we get a lot of emails, phone calls, messages, as well as talking in the support groups um, and also um, messaging through our podcast as well from a lot of you. So thank you first and foremost for all of you that listen and support us. But one of the main questions when we get back from that feedback is like Nikki says, is when, you know, getting back to that normalcy and, you know, when is this or when is this going to go away? But like I said, the trauma bond can out, long outlive the relationship, number one. Number two, it is an addiction. It's so important to keep that in your, your, your mind that it is an addiction. So like any addiction, um, alcohol, heroin use, whatever, you have to constantly work at it. Um, just like, you know, alcoholics constantly work at their sobriety. You have to constantly work at it and take it one day at a time. So it is not going to be something that like, you know, okay, I have this trauma bond. And then two days later, poof, it's gone. Unfortunately not. It is going to be something that you work on constantly and consistently. And it is going to be something where you have good days and you may have bad days. So it is something that you just continue to work on and 
once again, healing is not a linear process. There is no, you know, okay, this is how it's going to be. And this is exact. It, it's not, it's something that you're going to have to continuously work on. Okay, so we actually have covered a lot today, um, but strangulation was really um, the huge focus of tonight. I just really wanted to hit home how, how important that is. And um, I know one of our good friends here on the podcast, one of the terms that she used, um, Tracy Rector, she's actually who, um, one of the co-authors that I did the book with, she calls it ringing the alarm. But um, I really wanted to ring the alarm about strangulation because it is huge. It is a huge risk factor. And so please make sure that you are reaching out for services and that, um, you know, make sure that you reach out for services so that you can leave because strangulation, um, again, the next time statistically you may be a homicide victim. Um, and one of the things I, I did want to touch on, because Nikki was talking about how she really cherished the time with her kids because, you know, she, she did feel like she was going to die. Um, as a domestic, I wanted to ask you this, this question, Nikki, as a domestic violence survivor, do you, and you see, of course, you know, domestic violence awareness and, you know, a lot of the domestic violence groups that, that you're in, when you see um, domestic violence victims that did not make it, do you, do you think about like the times that you, you almost came so close to not making it? Does that make you think of and reflect on those times? Honestly, I think about, to be a hundred percent honest, when I think about victims who don't make it, I think about my cosmetology teacher because she's one of them and how she perceived her marriage or how she, she, she told us it was like, it was like a fairy tale, how he proposed to her. And, you know, she was like, if we're ever mad at each other, we never go to bed angry. So we work things like, I thought her relationship was perfect. So when her husband shot her and then shot himself and he shot and killed her sister as well, I was kind of, it was really taken aback, like, whoa. And it makes me think about how many women are being abused and because they have laid out such a perfect cookie cutter picture, you know, of what their family or relationship looks like are not saying anything and how they are paying the price at the end of it because they're not leaving because they don't want anyone to judge them or look at their relationship as being wrong and now they're dead. So that's honestly, to be 100% honest, I, I really, I think about my cosmetology teacher and I also think about the, the girl who um, our kids, our oldest children went to the same daycare provider because she was a, a victim and he shot her in front of her daughter and then shot himself. And it's really crazy because it's like they, they kill him and then they're like, oh shit, I'm gonna go to, excuse me, sorry. Y'all know I am so bad with cussing, sorry. But it's like, it's, it's like they go, oh gosh, I just killed her, I'm gonna go to jail. And then they kill themselves. I, I wonder, because it happens a lot where they end up killing themselves after they kill their family or kill their spouses. I wonder if that, if they go in that planned or if that's just their, They've, act off, they've acted off impulse and now they've come to reality like, oh no, now I'm gonna be in trouble or now people are gonna know what I did and I can't live with the fact that people are gonna know that I'm a monster. 
I think a lot of it too is not wanting to face the consequences of, of what they did. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just see that a lot too, like a lot of survivors, myself included, just you just think about like, you know, the ones who are no longer here and, and um, I've known some people as well who are no longer here, but then also too, I think about like the times that I, I came this close to not being here also. So you're right, it does make you um, cherish the time with your children um, that, yeah. that, that much more. Yep, absolutely. And for those of you that are um, just joining us again, um, also, I want to make sh sure that you go ahead and check out, it is still available if you go online, you can check it out on our website. The book, my book, My Secret Life, My Journey Through Domestic Violence. Um, in here, I will tell, you will read all about my story as well as the stories of other domestic violence survivors. It is $20 and you can go directly on the website, you can go on, um, it's the website ndvhealingsupportinc.org and you can go and pick up the book for $20, My Secret Life, My Journey Through Domestic Violence. You can also become a supporter of our podcast um, for just $4 a month. You can also support, click the link to support the podcast as well. And you can also go directly to our, our website, um, HTTP, um, again, ndvhealingsupportinc.org. And you can also make a, a donation directly to NDV Healing and Support Incorporated nonprofit organization so that we can continue to assist domestic violence victims. And last but definitely not least, NDV Healing and Support is having our annual virtual speak out, Silence Hides Violence. This is our second annual event, Silence Hides Violence Virtual Speakout, and you will hear from nonprofit organization professionals, authors, speakers, nurses, doctors, therapists, and survivors speak out. And that is Thursday, October 28th, live from the NDB Healing and Support page and podcast, NDB podcast will be there and that is 6 30 p.m central and 7 30 p.m eastern time so thank you we really hope you join us for that as well and as always for to our supporters feel free to email us um, as well as um join our go on to our website you can also send us messages we get um, tons of messages and questions that way as well so feel free to message us and question us with that and Nikki, anything you wanted to add um, tonight about our, add to our discussion tonight about that? Um, no, I think that we covered everything that we talked about prior to coming on, which we always do. And then we get on here and add a little more to it than we expected. <laughs> but I, I think I think we went over and Domestic Violence Awareness Month is my favorite month because we get to come back to the basics and really open the things that, you know, the small things, because we have to remember there's new survivors every day. So a lot of this information they may not know. So. Yes, definitely. That's actually a very good point because 
Um, just the other day, I got a couple messages too through the podcast asking about like, what is trauma bonding? What is gaslighting? What is love bombing? Um, I had a couple ask me about, you know, tell me about their, their situa um, situations with strangulation. So a lot of these topics that we're covering, you're, you're right. There are still people that are not aware of these topics. So um, the more we can ring the alarm, get education and awareness out there, as well as hopefully get the minds of listeners and all listeners out there so that we can start making changes. And hopefully there are changes um, in, the, in the laws as well, because like I said, strangulation is an important risk factor and strangulation is attempted murder. And our hope is that it is treated as such everywhere, not just in some states, but just our hope is that it eventually is is treated as seriously as it should be, not just a couple years. That is not a couple years offense. It is attempted murder. So thank you once again our, to our lovely audience. We have a ton of supporters um, on the podcast. We have now over 3,000 listeners. And on the NDV page, we have um, over 18K followers. So we just want to thank everyone for supporting us and continuously supporting us. And in the fight against domestic violence, of course, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we are still ringing the alarm. So thank you for joining us all. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you, everyone. Bye. <laughs>